to the WTF Podcast, where we demystify entrepreneurship and the fog around funding. My guest, Ada Sakwe, is an award-winning entrepreneur, investor, and a passionate African development advocate. She has a successful 20-year track record in private equity investing, development finance, public policy, and startup venture building. Ada is founder and chief executive of Newly Foods, an innovative farm-to-table beverage brand and restaurant chain that uses fresh, locally grown agriculture products sourced from smallholder farmers in Nigeria. She is also the founder and CEO of Agrilay Ventures, an angel investment firm that has deployed seed capital into some of Africa's fastest growing startups. Ada is an overall tour de force and the Forbes Africa Businesswoman of the Year 2021. Pardon the bandwidth issues in this episode, but stick with me. I promise my conversation with this world-class human is too good to miss because of minor sound quality issues. In this episode, we discuss Ada's public sector experience and how it influenced her to become an entrepreneur and investor, how she bounces back from setbacks, why she's a champion and investor in African women, and how she is lowering the barriers to entrepreneurship for women. Ada, welcome to the WTF Podcast. Thank you, Michelle. It's wonderful to, to be here. I, 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 I'm happy to have you here. And just to let you know, I'm a fan of you. <laughs> <laughs> you have quite an illustrious career spanning the public and private sectors. How mm-hmm. did those experiences lead you to found Agrilay? Yeah. Oh, no, thanks. And I am quite um, humbled, Michelle, because you also are such a to the force in every, you know, every, every sense of it. And thank you for all you do to promote um, women and, and make our voices heard um, with using your platforms. So thank you. Um, you know, I would say that um, you know, my journey, although in many ways it was quite um, intentional um, in terms of the fact that I, I wanted to, I knew I wanted to be successful. I was quite ambitious. Um, and you know, I knew I wanted to do something to make a difference, um, specifically in my continent, Africa. But I, I must say that um, in many ways, the way things shaped out um, in terms of the path I ended up taking um, that was quite unexpected and unplanned. Um, so, so as you mentioned, I, I did have this background and, and experience um, starting off in, in investment banking um, in London and, and then quickly transitioning about two years later into the development finance world. I, I moved from London to Tunisia. Um, I lived in the city of Tunis, working with the African Development Bank and, and the institution is like the, the US, the, the, the World Bank based in, in DC, um, but we only focus on, or the institution only focuses on and, and supporting um, and financing countries in Africa and projects in Africa to, to truly drive economic growth. So, so for me, that was just a big, big goal, a big mission that I was so proud and honored to be a part of. And, you know, I put my all into um, the work I was doing, starting off in the treasury team, um, working to develop the bond markets in Africa, and then moving on to the infrastructure finance team, 
where we were funding projects um, across um, roads and power plants. And I got to be involved in also investing in, in private equity fund managers um, who were building interesting, interesting um, portfolios, um, backing entrepreneurs on the ground. Um, I should say the reason why I finally transitioned from that path, you know, I was on track. My, my ambition was like, I'm going to become the first female president of the African Development Bank. You know, I was, I was the youngest person um, to join and be a professional at the time. So I was going to, you know, break another record in that, in that sense of, of things. But, you know, I got stopped, stopped in my tracks because I started getting quite disillusioned, um, disillusioned by the way how slow it was to, to, to move things um, within a bureaucratic organization. I started getting quite disillusioned, um, asking myself, are we truly making impact? Or am I either truly um, having a direct, um, do I have direct control in, in the impact that I want to see on the continent? And my answer was, was no. Um, and, and, and that's when I knew that um, I had to, to move on and, and figure out what it was that I could get involved in to, to, to truly make that direct um, difference um, on, on, on the continent um, that needed so much help. So, so and that's four years down the line, um, I moved on um, this time to do a second master's, this time an MBA. I went to Kellogg, um, Northwestern University in the US and, and had such a wonderful experience, um, moved into private equity investing because by this time I was so convinced that it was the thing to do to, to make, make a difference. Let's support private sector, let's support entrepreneurs with financing um, for them to, to, to grow their businesses and create jobs and, and make a difference with innovation. Um, so, so to transition into this, 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 this lovely, amazing industry, I'm still focused on Africa. Um, started off in New York with a firm that was covering Africa and then um, started asking myself those questions again. <laughs> the, the, the disillusion step in. I said, oh my gosh, so many fund managers raising big funds, um, but, but are they truly, is the money truly getting to the right entrepreneurs? So for me, the right entrepreneurs were young. Um, they were, they had young businesses. Um, typically in sectors that were overlooked um, and they typically needed only a, a smaller ticket size um, uh, than the big $50 million, $100 million that private equity was giving to them. Um, and banks weren't providing the financing. So, so I got quite passionate about that, um, but had an opportunity to then um, transition to, to public service. Uh, Michelle, this was not expected at all. It was just not even in my plan, be it when I wrote out my three-year goals or my five-year goals, um, but ended up being the most transformational experience for me. I was the senior advisor on investments to the Minister of Agriculture of Nigeria, um, a role that I, I really thrived in, despite it being a very different environment from my private sector um, experience, but, but being able to be at the seat of some of the biggest decisions that had the power um, to transform sectors. You know, policy is so powerful. And I saw it firsthand um, working in, in this role. And for me, this was where the, 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 the entrepreneurial bug then kicked in. And I, I felt that the sector agriculture 
had so much to give um, Africa, had so much to give African women, had so much to give African youth. Um, and we only needed to flip the script and stop importing and spending over $40 billion bringing food into the country or into the continent, and instead figure out ways to grow that food locally, become food secure, um, become a country that was generating jobs for young people in the agriculture and the food, food sector. And for me, I had found my calling, I had found my passion. And so um, three and a half years into the role, I decided to start AgroLay, um, which is an investing firm um, to support young people um, in the agriculture sector, but specifically support them with those smaller ticket sizes um, that I had become, that I had seen was, was the missing middle and, and help them um, grow their businesses. And, and that's what I set out to do back in 2015. And there's been no looking back. Sorry, you know, it's, it's, it's funny when you were talking about being both in the public sector and in the private sector, doing the things that you thought would help move things forward and still feeling a sense of dissatisfaction as if it wasn't enough. I certainly can identify with that particular feeling. What do you think, where do you think is the best inflection point for change for people who really believe in contributing to change? Because you've tried both sides of the aisle. You've been in public service and you've been in um, the private sector. Michelle, that's a, a, one, a, a great question. Um, um, and I say so because it's, it's just one that we, 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 we tend to, we don't think about it enough, um, I think. <laughs> um, and, and, I, and I feel really lucky to have seen um, both sides of the coin. And, and so I'm, I am placed to, to give my view based on my lens, the lens I, I have seen things. Um, and for me, it, it, I'll just give a, a quick, quick um, experience, share an experience um, with you and why I sort of reached the, 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 the where I, where, why I, I feel this way. Um, but, you know, I left government going, feeling quite, um, although we had done so much work, but it was so difficult to push things forward. Um, so I left government saying, okay, I'm now going to start AgroLay. And with that, I'm going to start building a business as well. And we can speak about that later, uh, Michelle. But I'm going to focus on private sector. Things are in my control. I would build in my little space <laughs> and, and do what I have to do. And I don't care about government. You know, they should just leave me alone. The power and the engine of growth is private sector. And that's what I started doing. Um, until, um, for example, my first store, when we started building um, a restaurant brand, my first store was brought down um, by the state government because they had an issue with the landlord. So I, only after two weeks of operations, I lost that store. And it was in that moment I said to myself, I said, oh my gosh, you know, this is a government that's talking about young people and talking about mm. women being business owners. This is a government that's talking about creating jobs and saying that the agriculture sector was important to them. 
And yet we don't have an environment that's supportive of the people. You literally got crushed by them. We got crushed by them, you know? So, so it's like that moment I kind of resolved. I said one way or the other, I think I have to be back in government. It's not, it may not be now. It may not be in the next 10 years, but the power of, of the fact, the power that you have in such positions in public sector to, to, to truly make lasting change, lasting impact. Um, I think it's, you just can't, you, you can't find that anywhere else. And, and so for me, the answer to your question is hands down um, public service. But there's so many caveats, Michelle, because we know how frustrating it can be, especially in the Africa context. We hear the stories of corruption or you hear the stories of self-people, self-serving people. You hear those things. So, so you truly have to be so focused, so strong if you're, you're within the system. You know, it, you're, you're operating within a system. But without a doubt, you know, we saw it when we were in government. We saw it, the impact of our policies on farmers. We saw the impact of our policies on young people deciding to go into agriculture and leaving their banking jobs. Um, and for me, that was just so powerful. You know, that's a great story and it's a great um, segue. It's a great segue into the next question on why is it important for you to invest in women and why the agri-food sector? Because we see a lot of uh, venture funding over the past three, four years going to the African continent. And the bulk of it, as you know, has gone to FinTech. Not so much to certain other sectors, particularly the agri-food sector. So why did you decide that this was the area that you were going to concentrate on? Yeah, Michelle, precisely for that reason, you know, the fact that it was so overlooked, um, a sector that had the potential to, to bring so much um, into the economy um, from, from the standpoint of, 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 of GDP. We know it employs the largest group of people. Um, at, the, at the end of the day, people go out and they, they shop. And, and, you know, the Nigerian Bureau of Statistics recently just showed us 57% of, of consumer spending is on food. Um, and so it baffled me that you just, if you did see the, the investments in the agri sector, as you mentioned, it's tech, you know, it's somebody sitting on a, it's, it's a business that's on a laptop uh, on the cloud somewhere. And they say they're getting investments to invest in farms. And we just wonder, you know, is that, I'm just, uh, you know, I just sometimes couldn't put my head around it, um, but you weren't finding people backing um, women like Afyong um, Williams, a woman I invested in back in 2014 um, that was using um, fruits. You know, we have over 60% post-harvest losses in the fresh produce sector. And she was buying mangoes and pineapples and dehydrating these uh, and making it into a delicious, delicious snack product, um, lovely branding that was now sold across urban areas. So suddenly, instead of importing those snacks from South Africa or, or the US, it was now a homegrown local brand. And Afyong took, I think, at least six years to raise her Series A. But people came in, young kids, fresh out of school, they say they're doing a new app and it's tech and they were raising funding. So 
you know, that is why I believe in the sector. I believe in the, it's, it's the, the power to, to not just give growth or high valuations and make people rich, make investors rich, but it truly has the biggest capacity to, to transform so many lives, creating jobs across the value chain, um, just raising the bar when it comes to reducing our post our losses that the farmers farmers experience um, because you're now creating a sector that's buying directly from these farmers, um, creating a sector that's that's creating storage opportunities. So so for me, it was not just the business economic case, but it was also the the case for impact and 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 just the, the chance to to transform an, an entire food system on, on the continent. I'm speaking with Adal Sakwe, award-winning entrepreneur and investor, about creating more opportunities for African women entrepreneurs in an ecosystem where they are systematically sidelined. And that's why I like this sector because I I believe that you can it's easier to track impact in a very real and tangible way. And we all know the statistics about women. Women are multipliers. You give a woman one thing and she amplifies and multiplies it and gives you something else. You give her ingredients and she gives you a meal, you know? And still women are struggling, whether it's within agriculture or even within tech to attract the types of funding um, that comes anywhere close to male only or male mixed teams. We saw the statistics from last year, less than 1% of the $4.3 billion in venture funds that went to African startups, went to female only founding teams. And it's not that there aren't amazing and talented and, and, and highly capable women. What's, what's, what is the issue? And I, and I get all of the socioeconomic and cultural and all of these things um, related to, you know, well, maybe there aren't that many women, you know, in this sector, but we know some sectors where there are more women, but those sectors just aren't as seen as high growth as tech and are, aren't as sexy and seen as, as far more risky. And therefore, Again, you know, where the women are is not where the money is going. You know, um, Michelle, it continues to baffle me, um, you know, in so many ways that, you know, this problem you've just articulated. You know, I spoke about Afyong um, earlier, but when I bring I would love to have Afyong on the show as well. You know, she's one of yeah, one of the um, African women who raised a million or more last year. And we should get to the point where we are no longer celebrating these things. It's just sort of like a normal thing, right? Because there was no list for the men who raised a million or more because there were so many of them. Absolutely. And it took her six years to do that. Six years. You know, she'll be so close, spent so much time with the team doing a due diligence, you know, Ada was nearly there. We're going to close. The funding is going to help with the factory. And it just didn't happen, you know? And, and folks are just there raising all around her. So, so it was important that, um, and she raised three million, you know, it was worth, I, I was happy that we celebrated it because I knew how hard it 
was, yet there are people who just with an idea, they haven't even done half or a quarter of the work that, that Affiant has, has put in. And they haven't even started generating revenues or doing anything. And, and they raised $5 million off the bat um, from investors because they're tech. So, so we really just have to speak about this a lot more. I used to sit on panels and I'll say, I'll say if I was newly tech and not just newly, which is the name of my company that, that buys fruits um, and fresh produce from farmers and makes a juice, a juice brand that's sold in our own restaurants as well as um, um, some of the top supermarkets across, across um, in the country. Um, so, so, so we also face that. <laughs> it's a big bias because I, had this background in investment banking, private equity, you know, all of that, worked in agriculture and in the policy. And then I decided to raise money for my business. And it took me nearly two years just to get a seed round. Um, I would have conversations and, and you've seen some of that research. And capacity. Of the, kinds of, the kinds of questions that women, women are asked. Yeah, you and know, capacity was and certainly not a problem that you have, right? It brings us back to, oh, well, women need more mentorship. Oh, they need, you know, this training and support. They need to learn how to pitch. They need to learn how to so I sell themselves. All the like, boxes. You, I you ticked all the boxes and still you struggled. And still I struggled because someone's questioning my ability to achieve the targets I've set or just are you really sure you can double these figures? Um, it was just... It was funny, and, and I think it was also difficult for the men, typically the men on the other side, when I'm a woman confident enough to push back on terms that I didn't agree with, with regards to how they wanted to invest in the business, you know? Um, so, so it was just an interesting, there's so much that kind of, that we need to unpack, and that could be another conversation, Michelle. And I'd love to have that conversation. Listen, with you. I'm I'm here. I'm here to unpack and demystify all these conversations. All you have to do is let me know. And that's why right now, you know, even as we grow newly, I'm doing it intentionally to empower young women because I know what I went through. I feel really blessed and lucky to have had the things that I have, the training I had from Kellogg, the, the experiences that I've had, and that helped me grow my business. Um, however, the process was hard and long, and it still continues being quite challenging, but we're just pushing through. There's a level of resilience that female entrepreneurs just have to have over and above um, what men do. So, so that's why I'm being so intentional, so deliberate about doing our expansion, our franchise model, with only females, um, where we give them the training, the mentorship, the, the support, and the entire ecosystem around them um, to, to really make sure that, 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 that nothing um, goes wrong, and most importantly, the access to finance. So, so, so that's one, one level. But as I even move, continue going, growing my investing side of things, um, we're currently now raising a fund um, that's fully gender lens that we want to do at least 50% um, female founders. But even in terms of even the, all the other founders we look at, they have to have a female um, senior member, either as a co-founder or participating in the, the um, ESOPs, that's the um, employment um, options and, and state shareholding. 
Um, so, so that's a different approach. I know, that but that also aren't... include looking at how their business also impacts or benefits women. Absolutely. So, so there's that aspect as well, but we just want to go the entire way. So I'm not doing the half, half measures of genderless and saying I'm backing all men, but as long as there's, I can see the supply chain, nah, nah, nah. I think we should go all out and also back the women. If they're 50% of the population, back 50% of them in your fund because they're there. We've seen them. We've already done three warehouse deals, two of which are female founders. Yeah. One of them, which is a female-only founder, and she's crushing it. So um, no more excuses. Um, and I think being a female, and my co-founder, my co-GP is a female as well, um, it's just it's nothing better than being women-led um, because we see these things. Um, we can have those conversations. Um, and and just, just the power of us as women, as women fund managers, controlling the capital, controlling the decisions, um, I think that's that's quite transformational. You know, intentionality is the word for me, probably my word for the next, I don't know, forever, <laughs> because I think that change requires intentionality, like real change. And you have to be intent about what it is that you're trying to do to affect that change with deep understanding of what the root causes of the problem are. And knowing that, women alone can't change the ecosystem for women because there is still a limited amount, but growing, you know, amount of women in the ecosystem as investors on the funding side of things. But if they're in the, if they're players in the game and they're mm-hmm. intentional about filling a lot of the gaps that they not just see, but in your case, have also experienced, right? Because you, you, you come at it from lots of different angles of experience, being in, in, in government and in, in the private sector and being an investor and, and being a founder and having all those myriad experiences that you bring to the table, understanding that women have to be a part of the solution. And yes, women alone can't be the entire solution because women don't control the big purse, right? Yeah. But you can leverage a lot from the purse strings that you do control as an investor Mm -hmm. and how you want to intentionally engage in the promotion in, 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 in entrepreneurship. Absolutely. And I think you've been doing a fantastic job with that. And this is a good segue point into your Amazon franchising program. So tell us about uh, that and the opportunities you think it will uh, create for women entrepreneurs. Yeah. No, as I mentioned, Michelle, this was a very intentional program for me. Um, It's very personal. I know the process um, that I've had to go through to build this business. Um, which is a restaurant business um, that uses only fresh locally grown produce. So think cassava flour is what we use to make our cassa waffles or fonio is what we use to make quite a few of our salads and our stir fried meals. Um, So it's really exciting to be able to to just stick to what's grown locally by our farmers and use this um, to make sure people have a more nutritious life. so we get quite a few requests, you know, ever since we started six years ago to, to for franchising. 
And, you know, I was quite protective of the brand. I said, you know, it's food, it's, it's healthy food, it's fresh food, you have to be clean. You know, we could go do a franchise, you know, folks may just do what they like and it's not representing the brand. Um, and I woke up one day just like, how do I sort of bring these things that are pressure points for me, you know, my, my passion for, for women having more of an economic um, chance, that an economic opportunity um, here? How do I bring the fact that I know the reason why they don't have it is because typically don't, they don't know what to do. They don't have the training. Of course, they don't have the access to finance. And just the system um, doesn't really support them. In fact, I always used to say every International Women's Day that people would quote. Um, so March 8th is coming up, International Women's Day, and there'll be all these events. Mm-hmm. And people will quote the MasterCard or the World Bank um, stats and say, okay, nearly 50% of entrepreneurs in Africa are women. And we all get clapping. And I'm like, yes, and so what? You know, um, who's checking that that woman still exists in a year's time and that business, that female business still exists in two years' time? And, and, and typically they don't exist, right? Um, and it's because in many cases, even you know, those, those reports cite them. They say we may be leading, Africa may be leading in those stats there, but we, we lag behind our peers in other countries around you know, access to finance or the lack thereof. Um, we lag behind in terms of knowledge assets. You know, business training, understanding the financial statements, understanding growth strategy, understanding digital marketing. Um, and, and finally, we just lag behind because the system just makes it really difficult and hard um, to grow. You know, I, I spent you know, at least about 9% of our revenues last year was just on powering electricity ourselves, right? I'm like, I'm trying to grow my business and I'm spending so much money just on, elect- on diesel costs for to run a generator makes no sense or I'm spending so much money on paying rent up front because we have to pay our rent three years up front and take hard cash and pay who does that there's no country I know you know if you're renting a space for a store you sign a long lease and you pay monthly as the sales are coming in mm-hmm. um so, so you think about all these pain points all these stumbling blocks that just make it so difficult and we know women typically entrepreneurs are typically in retail it's the biggest share of, of where female entrepreneurs end up so you think of all these pain points in retail and and you just know it's just really tough and so my thing was that okay I've done it I've, I've cried I've, I've felt the pain we figured it out you know how about you know I get women to come own newlies um, with me and, um, and they're back with all the learnings. They're back with a system that works already. They don't have to go try a new business and, and, and you know, touch wood, does it work or not? This works, you know, just, just come do the same thing. But, but it's not a franchise in the sense that you just get this focused support. You get coaching on leadership. You get business training. You get all the support around um, even mentorship, you're paired with mentors, and there's so much peer-to-peer networking and exchange. You know, we started our program the, the late last year, and I just love joining those sessions once every month. And you just hear, you know, an Amazon, Amazon sitting in Kigali and what she's sharing with someone in Ondo State in Nigeria, and just, you know, the, just their experiences, their values, what does entrepreneurship mean to them? 
And, and just knowing that you have a tribe, it's, it's quite transformational because entrepreneurship is such a lonely journey. So knowing that yeah. you have a tribe, a community, um, just changes the game. And that's why, for example, Paul in Rwanda joined the program. He says, I've been trying to do this healthy food store. Either I saw you on CNN. I found a way to get reach out. He asked people around in Rwanda who knew me and I got an intro. And, you know, now she's part of the program because she's like, I may have started a business in the same space, but I know I can be further along if I just had the guidance, if I had the community and the tribe. So, so that's what we're trying to do. And, and ultimately, we also give you the funding to get started. So this is being done um, through our foundation. Um, and newly only just provides the, the brand assets. We provide the, the technical training. We provide the supervision and the, the, the lessons learned. Um, but, but ultimately, um, they have a comprehensive program that, that guides them and, and allows for all the, the mentorship, the peer-to-peer. And they have ownership at the end of the day. So, so it's really, really um, fulfilling. We're in our first cohort and I'm really excited to see, see where we end, we end up. The, the start of it is, is quite promising. It's quite inspirational. So tell me, so tell me Ada, if there's a woman listening and, and this sounds great to her, what does she need to know to get started? What's the, how does she come in? Like, what's the price of buying into the franchise? Like, how long is the training? Like, like, just give us a quick walkthrough. You can't. Uh, you sure. Can't so she goes, she starts, yeah. But she starts up going on newlylounge.com um, forward slash newlyamazon. Um, and she'll find um, all details about the program. Um, she needs to be between the ages of 22 and 35 years old. Um, she needs to be a national of an African country. Um, and, and she just needs to be focused, focused and so hungry to, to just want to succeed um, as an entrepreneur, as a young woman. Um, typically, she should have at least a high school um, degree. So, so those, that's the target for us. And, and um, she can be anywhere we, on the continent? She can be anywhere on the continent. We're scaling out now in Nigeria we have uh, our first pilot in Ghana, our first pilot in Rwanda, and we're looking for um, more places um, to be in. We want to be in at least 23 African countries um, within the next two years. Um, it's an 18-month program um, where she gets that training I mentioned. She's paired with mentors. It's lots of activities over the, the every month um, during that period. Um, but she's running her store. She is running her store, um, hiring her team, working and getting customers and, and really getting things going. Um, and at the end of the period, she, she gets the store fully. The, by the way, the store is set up for her so she doesn't have to, to pay anything up front. Um, and then with time, she's able to pay back um, a 0% loan so payback from the proceeds of the of the of the store. Hmm. So it's a great way to be able to get up and running as an entrepreneur by circumventing a lot of those early barriers. He doesn't have started. He doesn't have to look, absolutely no need to think about getting a bank loan. No need to think about where is she going to be. Um, so all of this gets gets this taken care of. 
this is actually quite brilliant. Like, why weren't we doing this before? <laughs> I know. So the plan actually is for our foundation to scale it out to, you know, female-owned brand that has a nail studio and a beauty salon. This is great. And I know you probably have that age range because it's supposed to be targeting the youth population, but you know, there might be a 37-year-old or a 40-year-old woman yeah. out there who has um, the drive and wants to get it done. Would she yeah. be able to participate? Yes, we do make exceptions. So in this cohort, we do have a, an exception, a 36-year-old, for example. Um, and, and it's so important for those making those exceptions because, you know, we've had people reach out to say, look, I took time off to have a baby. Um, and, and now I've had my kids and I'm really trying to figure out how to get back into the workforce and, and just not, not many places that would hire me. I would love to be able to do this. Um, so we really want to be that space um, for, for the, to, to take care of women and our unique situations. No, this is great. What is your hope as we wrap up this conversation? What is your hope for the investment ecosystem in Africa as it relates to women in agribusiness, but maybe not just agribusiness in, in, in sectors where we find more women entrepreneurs? Oh, my hope is that the bias um, falls away um, towards female entrepreneurs and females who are building businesses that need the capital, that need those investments, but are typically shunned away because folks don't believe in us or believe that we can grow those unicorns and build those multi-million dollar enterprises. It is possible. It is possible in agriculture as well as in all the sectors folks look at. It may take a little bit longer. Um, so how, you know, my hope is that people remove the veils and, and stop following the, you know, the herd and, and actually take a step back um, to, to invest uh, while, while truly doing good and, and backing female entrepreneurs um, allows, allows for, for this to happen. I love it. I think this is a great note to end on. Ada, thank you so much. To learn more about Agrilay Ventures, visit agrilay.com and newlylounge.com to learn more about Newly and the Newly Amazon program. Follow Ada on Instagram at Ada Osakwe, A-D-A-O-S-A-K-W-E, and on LinkedIn. To our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, Leave a rating, a review, download, or share this episode. Join me next Friday for a new episode on the Alive Podcast Network and subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and more to get notified when new episodes drop. If you'd like to be a guest or sponsor the podcast, send an email to wheresthefunding at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Where's the Funding underscore podcast and follow me, your host, Michelle J. McKenzie on LinkedIn. Join me next Friday for another episode.